Welcome, everybody, to an impromptu edition of Cage My IQ. Today, we're going to be previewing UFC Fight Night Overeem versus Volkov. Joining me today, after the after the promo video, will be a friend of the of the brand, Jim Delulo from Active Geek Productions. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Jim. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, for the listeners that don't know, uh, why don't you tell them a little bit about your uh, podcast uh, that you, you've been doing for the past couple of years? Yeah, um, I've been doing a podcast with my buddy Chuck called the Active Geek Podcast. We do it every Wednesday. Uh, we're doing a podcast called Wanda Watch after WandaVision every Saturday. We've been doing it for about five years now, and uh, we talk everything geeky, movies, comics, <laughs> all the news, uh, and then there's a sci-fi podcast with my buddy Tom, Galaxy Wars podcast every Wednesday, or every, sorry, Sunday, uh, and we review movies, TV, and you know, shoot the breeze. Yep, and then uh, a great thing about you is you're also an avid uh, MMA fan like like me, so it's great to have you on uh, for this impromptu uh, edition I decided let me uh, put out more content. So right before uh, tomorrow's fight night, I wanted to get this out for the for the fans. So yeah, I mean, uh, listen, Dana White's putting out content almost every week since pandemic. It's you know you got to follow suit, right? Yep, yep. So uh, let's get started with the the first fight on the card on the main card, which is a lightweight division uh, matchup between Carlos Diego Ferreira versus Benir Dariush. Yeah, and then I'll bring up their uh, stuff right here. You got Diego Ferreira, who is 36, and then he has a 74 uh, reach, and his record is 17 and two against Benir Dariush, who is 31, and he has a 72 reach advantage with a 19-4 and one record. How do you feel about this uh, opening fight for the fight night card? This fight could start off like this card could start off with fireworks. Like these two have fought, um, they fought in 2014 where Daryush got the better of Fajeda. But since then, Fajeda has been on a six fight win streak. He last uh, subbed Anthony Pettis, who's no slouch in the cage at all. And then Daryush is also 5 0 his last five. And he's got wins over Tiago Moises, uh, Drew Dober, Frank Camacho, Jakar Close, which just won the comeback fight of the year. Uh, and Holt, Scott Holtzman. So I think this is going to be fireworks because these two guys are so well-versed in all facets of the game that it could go literally anywhere. Yeah, like I look at this matchup, I did my research, and just like you said, they both fought each other in 2014 where won, uh won that one. And, of course, it's seven years ago, so both of them have been on different paths What's crazy about this is they both have a Brazilian jiu-jitsu background. Mm -hmm. So basically, to me, it cancels out uh, their ground game because both of them are strong there. And then, it, to me, it becomes a stand-up matchup, uh, which is where they tend to be a little bit different. Ferrer is more of a, a wild puncher. He throws like crazy, but then when he connects, it's a, a little bit more powerful where – 
Benio Dariush is a little bit more crisper with his shots. But the one the one thing with with this matchup where I feel like it could change compared to where it was last matchup is Dariush has a tendency to uh, get knocked out now. Like his chin is a little sketchy. And I feel with this matchup, uh, I think Ferrer will get the get that revenge, and I feel like he's gonna get a second round knockout because of the sketchy chin of Dariush, and then he's gonna continue his hot hand because I believe Ferrer is on a five fight win streak. I believe it is six, uh, six. Yeah. Whereas uh, Dariush has been hanging around that ten rank spot for the longest time. He tends to win, and then here. Then he, he right before he gets on the streak, he will lose, but then he'll start back up. So for me, I have Ferrer by second round knockout. Uh, and where did you say you had this going? Daryush or yeah, Daryush's his skin, his chin isn't as sketchy as we think it is. If you go back and you watch the the fight with Jakar Close, who who's a striker as well, he was he was out on his feet, but he came back and he knocked out Jakar Close. The thing is, it kind of reminds me. Fajeda kind of reminds me of um, Brunson, where Brunson has a very rangy kind of wild man fight. You know, and a tendency to fight, um, and he t- tends to get clipped. If you go in there with your head down and just throwing fists, you know, all you need is one counter shot. So, as much as I like Fajeda, I think he is a killer. I'm going to go with Darius. I, I think I'm going to ride the hot hand. I know they're both on five plus win streaks, but I'm going to go with Daryush. Yeah, this is my sneaky uh, fight of the night uh, uh, pick right here, just because uh, the same uh, jiu-jitsu background, they both uh, are strikers. Like, this this one could go either way, and then uh, this could go all th- all three rounds. You just don't know with, with how hot they both are. Yeah. Uh, so, which is great. I I want to see this fight night open up with them uh, on the main card with a bang. So I'm I'm hoping for uh, fireworks yeah, right here. I think you're gonna get them. This is gonna be a good fight. Yeah. So moving on to the next one, which is actually a featherweight matchup between uh, Cody uh, Stamen against Askar Askar. If you don't know who Askar is, uh, one thing his name is the same first as it is last name, but. Yeah, and- uh, Anybody who comes in with the same name first and last, he's a bad man. Yep, bad Uh, man. Yep, but he's making his uh, debut in the in the UFC. Uh, He's actually uh, he took this fight on short notice, uh, and then uh, I I believe he's from uh, you said the LFA. Yeah, I think he last fought in the LFA in October. Uh, How do you see this fight going? This is a tough one because the early the the late notice with Asgard just stepping in and he's going up against Stamen who has been going up against some really good competition lately. He went up against Rivera, his last fight. It didn't, it didn't go his way. It's been two, two and one. He has that draw with Song Dong, and he's beat Brian boom Kelleher. He beat him in June, who isn't a slouch at all. Um, Kelleher has got fireworks in his hands and I, I I'm going to go with Stamen. He's going to ground him. Uh, he's going to ground Asgard for a while. And if it goes to the feet, Stamen's got those powerful leg kicks, and he'll just, he's just going to leave welts. So I'm going to go with Stamen. 
Yeah, he, he obviously is the huge favorite because he's been in the UFC, uh, whereas Askar is just making his uh, debut. Yeah. Uh, Stamen has a, a solid wrestling background where he, he's going to want to – the first thing he uh, does is take down Askar. He, he wants to get into the ground and pound and ground control game uh, because w when you stand up, like he, he's a wrestling background, so he doesn't want to stand up and – get caught uh in a bad situation uh, because Askar's uh his striking isn't even that bad but uh the to me this this should be a clean cut uh decision uh victory for Cody Stanton where he just uses his wrestling background and strength gets Askar down as much as possible and just does the ground and pound and wear him out because if they're standing up uh things could go anyway and if Stamen were to get caught he could lose this fight you never know but for me i have a Stamen by decision victory one thing we need to look at though with askar as much as i'm going with Stamen, is his takedown defense is really good and plus he's got that four, uh four inch reach advantage or five inch reach advantage yeah so he could be rangy the whole time and not and like dodge those shoots and just use his length and use leg kicks and, you know, fly, not fly, I wouldn't go flying attacks because then that just puts you in a really rough predicament. But he can just use his range to his advantage. And he could negate the the ground game and the ground plan for Stamen. Yeah, one of the, the keys in the in the notes for, uh, for him was, just like you said, to keep on moving. As long as uh, Asgard can keep moving and dodge uh, those uh, takedowns, he should be in decent form, knowing that if the Stamen's bread and butter is the takedown, as long as he can keep it standing up, he'll have a really good chance of uh, getting his striking going. And then when you do that, if he catches uh, Stamen at all and gets him uh, uh, just seeing stars, that kind of takes away the ground game. And then, then it's 50-50 shot for e either guy. Yeah, but but as long, as long as Stamen gets the ground game going, I think this is an easy uh, decision to be going with him. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why he's a 400 underdog, right? Yep. <laughs> but uh, moving on to the third third fight, we've got Alexander Pantoja against uh, Cape Mavel Cape, I believe his name is, in the flyweight division. He got yeah. them uh, right here. He, he's another guy, Cape, making his uh, a debut, coming from Ryzen, uh, where he was a champion there. How do you see this going? This is, you said Fajeda and Daryush was your under, uh, underdog for fight of the night. This is my underdog for fight of the night. Uh, Pantoja's looking to get back. He lost to um, he lost his last fight. He's three and two in his last fight with one loss to uh, the champ. So he wants to get back up to that rematch. He's hungry. He wants that to get back to championship status. Whereas Cap A is a champ. He's a former champion, but he's a beast. He's a wild fighter, but he's got great hands, great takedowns. Uh, I'm I'm thinking this goes very early into the second round with uh, Cap A knocking him out. Ooh, yeah, uh, I like that. I like the shocker. I, I look at this and I see, just like you said, uh, Pintoria has lost two straight fights. And then you wonder, if he's lost two straight fights, why is he still ranked in the top five? I believe at four or five. Yeah. It, it's because those two losses were to uh, 
Figueredo and Askarov, both guys in the top five. So even though he lost, he lost to two uh, big guys in the division. Uh, both these both these guys are leader strikers, but the edge and strength I give to Pantoja, where he can uh, try and edge out a victory. Like Cape is where he can stand up, but he's making his debut. There's a little bit of unknown with him. So even though they're both with the the uh, solid striking games, I got to give the the edge to the guy that's been in the UFC who has been battle tested. There, he's fought two of the, the top guys in the in the vision. And even though he lost, he still has that battle test and mentality there. Well, I give him the edge, but I still think it's going to be a, 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 like a decision. But I wouldn't be surprised if Cape were to catch him uh, because of the two-fight uh, losing streak. Maybe Pantoria tries and finish him quickly. And then he's still feeling the effects of losing, and he wants to get on that winning, uh, back on that winning mentality as, as soon as possible. He might slip up his game plan, and then Cape could catch him. Yeah, so, I mean, there's also like that fear I feel for fighters sometimes. Where in the UFC, if you're knocking on three straight losses, you're worried about getting cut. And we know that Dana last year, early uh, early December, said we're going to cut like 40 people, yeah. and then shockingly cut Yoel Romero. They just cut um, Antonio Carlos Jr. They're cutting a lot of people. And there's a lot of people on this fight card that have three straight losses, two straight losses. Pantoja could go in there very cautious. And we, we might not see, a, uh, you know, strike first Pantoja. He might go in there a little worried. And that's where Cap A can capitalize. Yeah, yeah. You got Woodley and Junior Dos Santos who have both lost three or four straight. And then they're still... In the UFC, and then yeah. Willie's actually supposed to be headline in a fight night in April. So yeah, against Luke. Yeah, against him. I, I saw something online that said that um, Woodley is one loss away from a Bellator championship <laughs> uh, contract. Yeah, I saw that. We were at, we were actually uh, talking about that in one of my uh, group chats about that, and then it just made me uh, laugh so hard because it's it's so true. Yeah, it uh, really because. Uh, he's so he, he he is so good, but he's gotten away from uh, his game altogether. Like he's a guy that it, it, it's in his head, yeah. Because he he tries to use this instead of using his wrestling, and he doesn't, and even, he doesn't even use his punches anymore. Yeah, he he he, he seems to be too content and too uh, yeah content where he, he should be on point. He should be moving. He should be fearing that he's going to lose and then just go for it. And then instead of being too scared and to feel like he's risking too much, because at this point it's like, if, if you're getting too scared, you might as well just pack your bags because yeah. you're not doing too much. The whole uh, Covington fight. And then even Burns. Yeah. Burns was it, a, that was a rough one. Yeah. He didn't do too much. He yeah. just stayed back and he, he looked too relaxed. And then Burns and Covington both took it to him. I thought the Burns one was so crazy because yeah. he beat him even more than Usman beat him when Usman took the title from him. Yeah, and it's, it was, it's tough for him, man. Yeah. It's, I don't think the love's there anymore. Yeah, but getting back to uh, the b- predictions that we got right here, the next fight is Clay, Clay the Carpenter Greta against Michael Johnson in the lightweight uh, division. 
this is a very intriguing matchup with two guys that one who's been on like a, a bad streak in Johnson compared to another guy in Clay Greta who's been a mainstay in in the UFC for the longest time. As you see, he's 35 and 20 compared to Michael Johnson, who is 19 and 16. And Clay Greta is 39. So I think any any fight now, he could be retiring. I thought he was going to retire a couple of years ago, but he, he's kept on going where in his last matchup, he uh, he fought, uh, what was it, uh, Green? Yeah, Bobby Green. Bobby Green. Uh, and then to me, that didn't look too well to me, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. But uh, where do you see this going? So this is kind of, I've dubbed this kind of like the gatekeeper fight. You know what I mean? They're both on the ends of their careers. And they're both two guys that I, I had alluded to earlier that are knocking on two uh, three straight losses. And in Michael Johnson's uh, case, four straight losses. You know, he's, he's Michael Johnson has lost the Moises, uh, Stevie Ray, Josh Emmett, back to back to back. He hasn't won a fight since 2018, but he doesn't fight as often as like we're used to now. We're seeing a bunch of people like Kevin Holland who are fighting like five or six times a year where Michael Johnson is really taking his time. Clay Guido, on the other hand, two and three, his last five, uh, lost to Bobby Green, who was riding a hot 2020 and a loss to Jim Miller, another guy who's kind of at the, the end of his career. Clay Glita hasn't won since 2019 when he beat BJ Penn. So there's a there's definitely a drive for these two, I think, that either if this is their last fight, let's say it's Clay Glita's last fight, he wants to go out on a high note, he wants to win. Yeah. And if Michael Johnson ever wants to get back to you know, fighting former champions or current champions like Khabib, he needs to beat somebody. And beating Clay Glita, who, like you said, has been a staple in the UFC forever, uh, is a good way to get the ball rolling. So I'm going to go with Clay Guida, uh, actually. I, I love Clay Guida as hard as it is to say his name fast. I, <laughs> I love him. And every time he fights, it's it's a it's a gift. So I'm going to go with him. Michael Johnson, uh, I like him as well, but I'm going to go with Clay, uh, Clay Guida in a decision. Yeah, just like you said with this matchup, uh, this, this is like uh, you go this way, you go that way, where if you win – your side, you get that win, and then you're going up. You're going in the upright direction because they're both kind of at the bottom, in, in my opinion. But if you lose, I feel like for Michael Johnson, he'll be giving his getting his walking papers, like you said, because he's been on the wrong side of decisions, uh, decisions, and fights uh, for the few years now. Uh, whereas Clay Greta, if he loses, I, I could just see him retire uh, yeah. uh, right afterwards because. He, he's getting old right now, but the, the difference in this fight to me is um, Greta, he's what you call a grinder. He, he does whatever he can, stand up, take down. He, he grinds. He, he, like At this state, he, he, nothing with his uh, arsenal is going to really overpower you or it, like frustrate you. Uh, and then the difference maker with me is uh, Michael Johnson. It, he's a rhythm striker. As he gets going and as as he gets punching, he gets stronger, he gets more confident, and then he he gets those combinations going. So if you get to Johnson early, you can get him out of that. But if, if he gets that game uh, that 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 striking going early, it gets confidence. Kind of like Derrick Henry in football, where he gets he gets a rhythm going as they hand the ball off to him. They they want to get him 25, 30 carries a game. 
as he gets going, he gets going. He he just he, he just push gets people out of the way. They by like carry ten to fifteen. He's going. He's got that rhythm. He he's got it going. And Michael Johnson's the similar way, but guys tend to get him before he gets started. That's that's the game plan. You get him. You, you get at him before he gets going. You you saw him actually. Uh, he he got Habib uh, good in the matchup early on. He, he was able to hit him and then knock him down. But then Habib got up and then stopped the rhythm and then got his ground game going and then basically dominated from there on. But he's been able to get guys like uh, that, uh, like and then uh, who's the guy that he fought before that? Uh, he fought Gaethje. He was the, the welcome party to to Gaethje. Yeah. And the, like early on in that, he was able to the catch him. But the, it, it's all about stopping his rhythm. You stop his rhythm, you're looking good because he gets flustered, and then he doesn't get that rhythm going again. You get him, but if you let him get going and then get to a certain point where he's so confident that he gets the combinations going very quickly. He'll be able to uh, get, knock you out just because he has that confidence, uh, because his confidence is usually good or bad, depending on how the fight's going. Yeah. But for me, I think just at this point uh, in, in their careers, I got Johnson by first first round knockout. Really? I, I think he's going to get going. Okay, uh, he has that left hand that people forget about when he hits you, uh, like he knocks you out. And Guida's uh, chin hasn't been so good to him lately. So I, I, think, I, guess... I think that's a thing, though. I think with Guida, he's trained so much times with Alpha Male, right? So he's yeah. he's been out there in Cali working with those guys. And if you look at one of the guys that really knocked out Michael Johnson, you go to Josh Emmett, you remember that fight? I think yeah. it was fight of the night. And he works with Alpha Male, too. So there's a strategy there. You can look back on it and... Michael Johnson's ground game, as good as it was, it was kind of exposed with Khabib. And Khabib could expose everybody's ground game. I'm not saying that, like, Clay Guida is like a California Khabib. That's never going to happen. But I think Guida is so unconventional at times that he's going to disrupt the game plan for Michael Johnson. Getting his head a little bit, just like Khabib did when he's laying on top of him, strangling him. Telling Dana White, like, get this guy out out of the octagon. I'm fighting your boy. I think he told Michael Johnson he doesn't deserve the fight. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? When he wanted to fight Connor. So I still think Guida is going to, I think he's going to outsmart Michael Johnson, who is a KG vet, but I think I'm going to give it to Guida still. The, the, only, the only problem with Guida compared to Habib is Habib has that tactic that he always uses where he pressures you and gets you to move backwards. And then that's when he takes you down. He, he, he he's, he's mastered that where he, oh, he yeah. just keeps pressuring you, pressuring you because it's easy to take you down when you're already moving backwards compared to if you're moving forward, you can kind of defend it a little bit better. Yeah. But Whereas, even with Khabib, like, you know that he's going to take you down. Like that's the game plan. Get away from Khabib's shoots. Like if he's going to shoot in, you know, you have to dodge it. Yeah. He's, uh, he's 30 and 0. You know yeah. what I mean? That that's why he's being uh, paired up right now, uh, potentially with uh, G- GSP because GSP is a similar type of guy yeah. where he pressures you backwards and then he takes you down. But with him, he's like he's really good at defending it because he's done it so long. 
and, and that's why the only fight that intrigues him is that, or if somebody were to wow him, like the one guy that he Habib had said that kind of like impressed him was Charles Olivier. Yeah. But like, I feel like that ship has sailed. I think if he would have been really wowed by him, he would have fought him by now, unless he's actually waiting to see Olivier fight again and then see how that turns out. Because I, I think know. if Olivier has like a dominant performance against say uh, Michael Channer or a Dustin Poirier, yeah, it, I think Habib could be like, okay, like I, I retired, but you talked me out of it with that dominant victory over a top three guy like that. I think because your matchup is, huh? I think he just wanted to fight Connor. I think everybody was hoping Connor would beat Dustin, and when Connor lost, it kind of threw a kink in everything. And he said, you know what? Nobody's intriguing. Like. Oliveira is a great uh, a great option, but Oliveira, out of all those guys, is probably the most dangerous because he can dominate on the on his feet and on the ground. Yeah. You know, like he's a multi black belt. You know he's I mean? a he's guy, a monster. He's a guy where if Habib takes him down, Habib could be scared because even though he took uh, took Olivier down, Olivier can find ways to submit him at, yeah, on the ground on his back. Yeah. He, he's great on his back. Whereas uh, to me, McGregor, he has holes in his game right now where Habib could just be like, even if he won, he was like, I already beat him. It's the same McGregor. Uh, like I could just take him down and then dominate. Whereas Olivier, I don't know about this guy because this guy has won eight, eight fights in a row. It would be nine if he were to win his next matchup against Poirier or Chandler or Gagey, whoever he fights next. And then that presents a challenge for him, like to get that thirtieth win against the guy that's riding a hot hand with nine wins in a row. That that, and then that would make money. Like people say that wouldn't make money, but when you have a guy on a nine fight win streak, being guys that uh, Olivier would have beaten, he would have beaten Ferguson, who was a guy that's supposed to be who's supposed to be the guy to match up great with Habib, and then one of these guys. Yeah. Just to get that shot. So, like, I wouldn't count out Olivier, but it, it, like, just like you said, just to get back to this yeah. matchup a little bit before we got away from it for a couple minutes, uh, Johnson, I don't think would fear uh, Clay Guida's takedowns just like he did with Habib. Oh, yeah. Guida is kind of crazy with how he takes you down, he just rushes you. And with no game plan, just tries to overpower you, take you down. Habib pressures you backwards. He, it's kind of like a game plan. He pushes you forward, acts like he's going to punch you. Then when you move back because he's coming at you, then he takes you down. Yeah. But he doesn't go like a bull rush. He just does it because he gets you at your weakest point. So I think Johnson has the game plan of knowing what Greed is going to do. And then he, he's going to catch him because uh, catch him as he's trying to do that because one punch would knock Greta out. Like that's all it takes now. It'll be a fun fight. Yep, for sure. But, but before we get to the co-main event, I want to play our uh, promo video uh, for our social media outlets. Uh, we're here at the Buzz. Raise the bar, told you that I go far. Oh, baby, it's crystal clear. Oh, I'm not a souvenir. Oh, I'm not an accessory. I 
And that's our social media promo. You can come check out the buzz on all three of our social media outlets on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter under the handle WTB.com. That is WTBDOTCOM. Now, getting back into the, the fight night predictions, we got the co main event here, which is going to be a pretty good one, uh, which is going to be a, a bantamweight matchup between Frankie Edgar and uh, Corey Sanhagen. Whoops, right there. In, in a matchup that could have limits to who possibly gets the next shot at the title uh, after the Peter Yan matchup against, against uh, Sterling. Uh, how do you see this going? This is a, this was the probably the toughest one for me because I never want to root against Frankie Edgar, you know, Jersey's own. I've seen him fight so many times, but he's two and three in his last five. The last three, uh, you know, he, he's got three wins by decision. He, he's a grinder. We know that longest time in the octagon, right? Uh, he hasn't fought since August, whereas Corey Sanhagen has fought more recently uh, when he, Knocked out uh, Marlon Marais. Four and one is in his last five. Dominated that match. Yeah, he re- he really did. Who Marais? You know, he was one of those guys that as soon as he was in there, you know, he had that knockout knee uh, knee to Sterling. Right. That's that's one of the things you remember him. And then he goes up there and he's fighting everybody. I- I'm going to go Corey Sanhagen just because he's lengthy, he's on a roll, and he's got that taste of defeat. Right. So whether if he goes with Jan. If he matches up with Jan and Jan beats Sterling, he's that's a new opponent for him. But he also wants to get back at Sterling for uh, the last fight. I think it was a knee bar, yes. knee bar submission. So I'm gonna go with Sandman for sure. Um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go knockout because we've seen when Frankie goes against strikers like Korean Zombie and Brian Ortega, his chin's a little more fragile than it used to be. This this matchup intrigued me, and then I thought it was gonna be. Uh, when I first looked at it, I was like, this is going to be a close fight. I look at the odds the other day, and it's heavy favorite to uh, Sanhagen. Like, I think it was like minus 400. And I look at it, I'm like, how is this a heavy favorite to to him? I know he's been dominant, but Frankie Edgar's Frankie Edgar. Uh, he, I know he's, just like you said, two and three in his last five fights, but he's still always a tough matchup in his fights. He always makes it a hard victory to where I would think they would at least make it minus at the highest minus 200, but that minus 400 means they think it's going to be an easy victory. And when I, the more I dived into it, uh, I, I I look at it and I see, we, we know Edgar kind of like great greeted at the stage of his career. He's a grinder as well. And then he, he used to have a great chin and then he would take you down and ground and pound you. But then he, he had power in his striking. He's kind of lost some of that, some of that muster. Uh, he still does the takedown, but then, just like you said, his chin has come, gotten kind of fragile lately. He was able to beat in his last matchup. He was able to beat Munoz, but Munoz mm-hmm. is more so wrestling and then uh, get the takedown, and then he can hit you in the when you're standing up. But he doesn't have that much power. Corey Sanhagen has power in his striking. Um, what Edgar needs to do in this fight is go for the takedown early 
and try and get that going because if you get the the fight on the ground, you're going to get Sanhagen out of his element uh, where he, he wants to stand up. He's really good with the striking. He's really good. He has, he, he's added leg kicks to his uh, arsenal, but it's that uh, it's that str- the punch that has the difference maker in this fight. Uh, Sanhagen has a little bit of uh, of height too, mm-hmm. which could be uh, interesting because Edgar's kind of small, in, in my opinion. He he looks kind of small, but then he's just that underdog mentality that he has where. When when you feel like he's uh, he's gonna lose, he just try, it goes out there and he gets the victory. But uh, with this, uh, San Hagen is eleven years younger, so he's gonna have more of the of the gas in the tank. And he, I feel like he's gonna get the striking going early, keep Edgar from uh, get the takedowns. But I still feel like this is gonna be a, a decision uh, uh, victory by San Hagen because I feel like Edgar always manages to last last in fights uh, yeah. and then grinds them out. Even if he, it's, it doesn't go to his way, victory wise, he's still gonna last in his fight, but he's gonna lose. I, I still have the this by uh, San Hagen by decision victory. I, I, Frankie Edgar finds a way to win decisions. I think his last three fights, uh, last three wins were all by decision. He finds a way to grind it out, like you said, but he also finds a way to score points. He's a very good point fighter. Sanhagen needs to strike early, use that range. It's very similar to what we were talking about with uh, Asgar and Stamen, where Asgar needs to set the uh, perimeter, set the distance, and feel and kind of put the wrestler on guard. Yeah, and say like, listen, you come in here, you might catch a knee, you know, you might, you know, I might drop down and put you in a guillotine, something like that. He, they really, they really need to set the tone, and I think that Sandhagen needs to strike early because Frankie, like I said, point fighter, he'll grind you out, and he'll if he gets on top of you, he's not going to let up. Yeah, I, I, I could see Sandhagen uh, instead of trying to go for the sh- striking right away and go for that shot. I could kind of see Sandhagen keep distance move around, keep Edgar from doing anything early, feel him out, and then use the, use leg kicks here and there, yeah. and then go in. Because I feel like Edgar is going to pick and choose his takedown, but he's going to try and close the gap. He's yeah. going to want to close the gap to keep those shots from being uh, connected well. Because if they're right in front of each other, it's not going to be a big uh, strike or anything. They're going to be too close for that. And Edgar could use that to his advantage where he, they get up close and he pushes him towards the cage and kind of just uh, grinds grinds him his uh, uh, energy down. You make yeah, him use San- energy defending that. Sanhagen's so good in the clinch yeah. too. You know what I mean? The dirty boxing, use yeah. of elbows, knees. His knees are deadly. Uh, it's kind of like what we're going to talk about with Volkov too. Like if Sanhagen gets you with a knee, like it could be lights out. And if Sanhagen yep. starts with early calf kicks, you know, kind of hobbles Edgar a little bit. It could be all she wrote. Yeah, it's it's just a matter of what Frankie Edgar we, we get this fight. Is yeah. it one that we're be able to grind out or is it one that we're get caught early and then get finished? Yeah, he's got five you, months of uh, downtime. Yeah. Five months of training. Yeah, because from what I saw from Sanhagen in the Marlon Murray's fight, boom, all it took was one shot. That's all it took. It was a very nice shot. Uh, yeah. 
and, and he had him down. And it wasn't even like it wasn't even a strike. I believe it wasn't a wheel like kick. a leg kick. It was a wheel kick, I believe. Yeah. TKO and and then kick. he was out. Uh, yeah. and two minutes, I think it was two minutes into the fight. Is this the if I'm not mistaken, this is the second uh time Frankie's fought at this weight class currently, right? First yes. one he made his debut against Munoz and yeah, Munoz he showed was, out. What was that? He showed out against Munoz. You know what I mean? Yeah, because uh, uh, but when I saw those guys, there were similar styles, him and Munoz, but Munoz got away from his game uh, and then Edgar uh, used that and then he got his game going first. Yeah. And then he was getting the, he was using the takedowns, but then he was getting the striking going. And uh, I was surprised to see how fluid his striking was against Munoz. You're yeah. not going to have that same luck against Sandhagen. No, not at all. Sandhagen's a, he's a big uh, bantamweight. He's a big he's a lanky bantamweight. Yeah, then I I, I see Sandhagen taking this and then weighing on the Jan Sterling uh matchup uh later next next month to see who he gets to face because I only assume that Sandhagen would get that first shot at either nope. of them. I don't think so. Oh, you don't say that? Who do you I think, think gets it? I think TJ does. You think TJ does? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that he, he only wants championship fights. And if T, I think suspension's up soon, if not already. I think April. Okay, so Jan and Sterling fight in March, I believe, right? Uh, late yes. March. So they're not going to be ready for April, obviously. So that's going to be what international fight week the next time they fight. If any, if at the earliest. So if Sandhagen wins now, TJ comes back in April. I see the number one contenders being TJ Dillashaw and Sandhagen. If yeah, Sandhagen wins, I was gonna, I was gonna say the the worst worst case scenario for uh, Sandhagen w- would be that he would get uh, a matchup after this against uh, Dillashaw. Uh, just for the fact, I don't think Dillashaw gets that. Uh, title shot right away. I think uh, Dana White will be like, you've been gone for two years. Yes, you you were a champion, but then you lost. And he also cheated. Yeah, like, that's he the lost. Thing. Like, that's the thing. Like, if he had just lost, got like towards ACL or something, yeah, and came back, I'd say, all right, give him number one contendership. Let him go get his rematch. He cheated, and he and he he had to pay two years of his fighting career. So. Don't yeah. The only saving grace was he admitted it. After it came out, and then he apologized. He didn't hide from it. He took it like a man and took the uh, suspension. Yeah, but he shouldn't be rewarded for yeah fessing up. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, and that's why uh, that's why a combination of that and then being out of the game for two years, I feel like yeah, there'll be like you you gotta get this win, uh, this one uh, victory here to get that title shot. They'll yeah. be like, we know you're top three uh, fighter in the weight class but you need to get that win to jump over to get that title shot you need to prove to us that you're still in shape and then you're able to go so i see him coming back in april maybe they'll be like we're gonna give you a couple months to train we're not gonna let you do a couple weeks we want you to do a couple months considering the title fight with Deion stern is in march i'll say like May, May or June, they'll be like, okay, Sanhagen wins. It'll be you and Sanhagen. The winner of that fight will get the, the winner of Jan Sterling. Like and then September. that'll be a thing in, say, maybe August, September, or uh, like September. Uh, that'll be yeah. a perfect time in September when they usually 
go back to uh, Fight Island with how this uh, back and forth has been going between Fight Island and then UFC Apex. Yeah, I think, if I'm not mistaken, last time uh, Sanhagen fought Morais, he called out Dillashaw at the end. Yep. So that's the fight to make. If, uh, yeah. But I would also, if this goes quick, either way, whoever wins this fight should get Dillashaw next, right? Yeah. But if this is a quick fight, let's say Sanhagen walks away unscathed, put him as the reserve for uh, Aljo and Peter. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, definitely, because it, he'll, he'll be giving it uh, quickly. Kind of like what, what just happened uh, with the, uh, the room has it uh, with Chandler uh, beating Hooker. He kind of came out unscathed in that. Like he, it, it lasted a few minutes, but he was able to hit him, and then boom, yeah, in and out three minutes. Uh, and then uh, they came out and said that there's a rumor that they, were, they gave him a, a fight next week. But the guy that uh, he was he was supposed to fight declined it. Didn't give out a- any names, Olivier. But uh, yeah, uh, either him or Gagey. Yeah, I don't think Gagey would have declined it because he ha- he hasn't been fighting. Whereas yes. Olivier depends on what bar- the motivation is. I yeah. feel like with that the top four right there, because the belt's probably going to be relinquished soon. They don't want to take any fights. Just remember when. Uh, Valentina was supposed to fight Calderwood. Yeah. And then uh, Valentina gets hurt, right? So Jojo goes up and takes uh, Maya. And she loses viciously mm-hmm. to Maya. And now she's got to climb her way up. Even even after this huge win uh, at the last pay-per-view against Jessica I, Dana White wouldn't commit to her being the next title fight. So you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's that classic, do I wait a year yeah. or do I uh, get a fight just to keep on going? Uh, the uh, initiative like you have to outweigh if i wait i could uh, wait so long that i could lose that uh, luster and that uh, hot streak but if i fight and i lose i'm not guaranteed that shot anymore because i lost yeah it's it's a lose-lose because if you just sit there and you wait to find out what's going on with the belt you get hungry people who are going to fight every like kevin holland we talked about him earlier right if he continues to pull uh, fights together and wins together, who's to say he's not jumping up into a title contention before people who are ranked one, two, three ahead of him? It's the same thing with Kazmat, right? He's I, I going up just, to fight Leon Edwards. I, I was just about to uh, uh, pull his name out of my pocket for the, uh, after you said uh, Holland because Holland uh, ha- he fought uh, six? Four, was six times. I think so. I think it was six. Six times this year. And then Kazmat, uh, Kazmat, uh, Chimef fought I think four times, mm-hmm. and then Figueredo fought I think five times. And then Kazmat gets number three in you know the, the rankings. He yeah, went but, from unranked that's a, to Leon Edwards. You see, uh, everybody looks at that fight and thinks, how how does he go being the fourteenth ranked uh, uh, guy in the division, and then he automatically gets the, uh, the jump up and fight the number three ranked guy. Uh, people forget you got Usman, who's the champion. He's fighting Burns. Mm-hmm. He's ranked number two. Covington just fought a little while ago. He's ranked number one. He's been rumored to fight Masvidal, who's ranked number four. Yeah, I uh, think they're waiting you're for waiting, tough enough for that. Or yeah, you're waiting on that. Fight. Uh, Edwards hasn't fought in almost two years. But he, that's, that's because of COVID. That, well, that's because of COVID and because he declined to fight 
against Usman uh, that they gave to Burns. It was offered to Edwards first, but he declined it. So because he hasn't fought in two years, they've let him keep that number three status. But in reality, I feel like he's lost rank because he hasn't fought. He's been stagnant. Yeah. So I feel like he's more like eight, nine, or ten, and they want to test uh, uh, Chimov out because he's been dominant uh, in, in his fights, so yeah. dominant where they are last short or he just demolishes his his competition. Yeah, like they want to see right? where he's at, and then they can be like, "Oh yeah, he's fourteen going against three, but the or three ranked guy hasn't fought in two years, so we can kind of." use that leeway to test him out. Because if he wins that and, and does it convincingly, he, he jumps up all the way from 14 to the top five. If he wins that, he gets a title shot. I No. I, look, I don't know. If, Dana loves him. He you loves him, I mean? but, but if say you book he's a Covington and Masvidal, Covington dominates Masvidal, you still think uh, Chimoff jumps over Covington, who's ranked number one? I do. No. I do. I, 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 who I don't think more, so. Who do you think brings more pay-per-view vibes? Covington. Vibes. No, I don't think so. Because His shtick is over. His shtick is over. It's, it's, it's not over because he dominate, he dominated Usman in that matchup, and then he got knocked out in the fifth round. Yeah, he, Covington's going to fight Chia, uh, Michael Chiesa. Huh? Covington's going to fight Michael Chiesa, I think. That's a better fight than... I know the. Bad I think he will. I think he will if Masvidal doesn't uh, agree to a fight, yeah. like like uh, Covington's waiting. Do you think they're waiting for Ultimate Fighter? That that'd be waiting too long because you don't know it's when. Not this year. What was that? It's coming out this year. They said 2021. It, yeah, but say, when in 2021? Let's say summer. So you film it. Uh, are they filming it in the summer, or are they going to release film it now and then have it released by the summer? I'd imagine film it now, like in the spring, and shoot it for the summer, and you have Colby and Jorge. Yeah, but then if you go by that uh, rate, Covington would not have fought since the fall, so it would be almost a year between fights for him. Same thing with Masvidal. Masvidal, yeah. He fought before Covington. Yeah, yeah, he fought in July. So it'll be longer. So they'll both be fresh. They both hate each other. They're, you I, know, just, they're both I just feel boys. like I just feel like doing doing that, like if, if they make more money, a lot more money than that, they, they probably would do it. But I, I feel like that they, they should get in as soon as possible by the summer. They should be fighting by the summer. I agree. That's what I feel I, like. If they fight by the summer, that would be that would be at least be worth it. Because then they'll be like, okay, six months. We just filmed right now. We start filming in March, March, April, uh, March, April filming, and then because you start training in April, and then you be ready by June, July at the at the at the latest. Yeah. I can I can dig that. I can do that. But to wait until September, October, the fight that's a little too long for them. Yeah, I think the the whole ranking system. And I, I'm not going to hijack the show on my my agenda nah. um, <laughs> no, because good. we've got we've got to talk these two studs about to kill each yep. other in the main event. But I think the ranking system's a little broken. Where you said it perfectly, there's stagnation. There's yes. so many fighters who just sit there. Connor was ranked number four, right? Dan Hooker, Paul Felder, all these guys are just continuously fighting every time their name is called. 
Connor doesn't fight for two years. He's still four. Now he's six. But like Leon Edwards too. If you're not hurt, you should, and you're declining fights, you should lose your ranking. Like Nate Diaz was ranked for the longest time, and he he fought like every leap year. <laughs> I think McGregor. That was kind of like an odd situation because he fought last year. He beat Don Cerrone. Yeah, and then after that, Cerrone moved up. Yeah, but he uh, retired. No, Cerrone's fighting in May. No, no but Connor retired. And oh, he's yeah. still well, ranked. He, he retired, but he retired because of a a situation where he wanted to get be a main main event uh, pay guy, and then uh, he uh, Dana White wasn't willing to do that. Uh, but uh, he he had just main evented against Cerrone and knocked him out in the first minute or two, and then after that, you kind of have to feel like take McGregor's side because he just won in a main event uh, uh, pay-per-view in one minute with the shoulder shrug. Uh, yeah. h- how are you going to not give him another main event? How are you going to book yeah. him down on the card? All he wanted was the main event status on a yeah. fight against whoever he was fighting next. And Dana didn't want to budge for the longest time until uh, uh, this fight. And then yeah, he think- lost. So now he, he loses that. I think the fight w- that Connor won it was against Sanchez, Diego Sanchez, <laughs> because like there was those leaked DMs where it's like I want like I want to fight Diego Sanchez and Dana's like I'm not going to put that on main event because first of all Sanchez doesn't even have a coach anymore he's got like a shaman in his corner yeah who's like throwing crystals into the corner you know and he's going out there and he's just he's Diego Sanchez. I think this next fight should be his last fight when he fights the Cowboy. I was going to say, it's kind of funny that it comes right back around to Cowboy. It always comes he's back to Cowboy. Because he's going to be the one who fights Diego Sanchez in May. Yep. But uh, now that we've done that big rant, which yeah. was a good one, we're, what I'm, we're moving what I'm on good to, for. Yeah. <laughs> we're moving on to the main event of UFC Fight Night uh, tomorrow, which is a heavyweight matchup. Between Alistair Overeem and Alexander Volkov, which we got right here, Alistair Overeem is a, a forty-seven and eighteen record, which is crazy that he's fought that much. Yeah, and then Alexander Volkov is thirty-one and eight. You got similar reach advantage. Uh, Volkov is fifteen pounds lighter, but then he has a three-inch height advantage. How do you see this going? This is the tough one, man. Um, I like both of these fighters. And this is a, an outcome that whoever wins, I'm excited for. I just want them to have fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it could go either way. Uh, you and I were talking before about Overeem's chin. And it was kind of exposed with Francis, that brutal uppercut. Volkov, every time I want to pull for him, he puts up like a very lackluster performance like when he fought greg hardy i thought he was going to walk through greg hardy and that went to a decision and greg hardy had like four fights in the ufc if not four fights ever and he took it to a decision i'm going to go with uh the ream here because i think he's he's riding high four and one last five all tkos he's got 34 first round finishes he he's a monster he just has to avoid the deadly knees from Alexander Volkov. Those deadly knees will get They're you. Crazy. <laughs> I'm looking at uh, Volkov's uh, last six fights. Actually, seven. He beat Roy Nelson, 
mm-hmm. by decision. He beat Stefan Struve by TKO. He beat Fabricio Verdum by KO. Then he had that fight where he lost to Derek Lewis and lost by uh, a KO mm-hmm. in the, in the third round. Uh, and then that was the I think that was the one where Derek Lewis was gassed out and then he lucked out the win. Yeah, that was a late K- round knockout. Yeah. Uh, that that was on the that was on the Habib uh, McGregor card. I that think was a good was fight. The, I think really it was the third fight. fight where he, he fell. Uh, Derek Lewis fell down and was so tired th- that he couldn't get up for the for the post fight uh, commentary. Uh, and then I think then after that was the Greg Hardy uh, decision victory. Yeah, and then uh, he which, lost the blades, right? Then he lost the blades, but I when blades. Uh, card a shot and said he was going to win by knockout, but then he oh. didn't hit him one bit and had 15 takedowns. That was 15. so bo- that, that fight was so boring. Yeah, so because boring. It, it was it was a like Dana White said it was a quintessential John Fitch fight. If he wanted guys to do that, John Fitch would still be in the UFC. But you get a guy that just goes up, takes you down, and then just keeps you down, and then just gets back up. Reset takedown did that 15 times, and what made it worse was he called a shot before the fight and saying he was going to knock him out, and then he didn't. Yeah. I think he hit him like maybe a couple times, and then it sucked for Volkov because his takedown defense is bad. It was bad. Yeah, it was just bad. He got taken down. There's nothing he could do. Uh, but then he come back against a guy that was uh, pretty decent with the uh, a takedown game and Walt Harris. But he knocked him out, and like, like if the first round, uh, you had a, a, a thing with Walt Harris is he he shoots his shot early on. It yeah. goes out. He can hit you and beat you up. But he he shot a shit early, and then Volkov uh, uh, took advantage of that. By the second round, he was like, "I got this," and it, and knocked him out with the with the combination of kicks and punches. Yeah, Walt Harris is. A common uh, opponent for both of these guys. They yeah. both knocked out Walt Harris, but both of those fights came right after Walt Harris's stepdaughter was killed. So yeah. he has he hasn't been the same since then. So I don't know, you know, no, not taking away wins from these two guys. They were very impressive wins, but you're going up against a man whose head might not be 100 into the game, and he has funeral costs and all this stuff, and he's got to grieve. And he goes in there and he's trying to make a living. So it, it's very tough. The thing that stands out about these two fighters is that reach 80 inches for both of them. Yeah. Uh, and Volkov ta- usually towers over everybody except for Struve. And I think Reem, Reem 6'4", he's a little bit shorter than I am. I'm right in between the both of them, 6'5". Yeah. But I feel like Reem is just, he's a, he's a big 6'4". He's going to come in like 270. Yeah, and then right before I get to how I feel it's going to go, I look at uh, Overeem's last six, seven fights, all by by knockout, mm-hmm. every single one, win mm-hmm. or loss. He lost to Negron, Francis Naganu and uh, Blades back to back by knockout. Mm-hmm. You have Pavlovich, he and Alexi Elenik that he won by knockout. He lost uh, 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 by knockout in the fifth round to Rosenstruck, which he dominated that fight, and then Rosenstruck snuck out a, yeah. a miracle victory uh, like Silva against Sonnen in the fifth yep. round in the last minute yep. with, the, with the haymaker, 
and caught him. By that time, uh, Ivarim was aghast. He should have just stayed away from the and then just clinched him. But he got hit, and Rosenstruck uh, miraculously won that. But then he came back and beat Walt Harris by TKO. And then he beat Sakai by TKO. It was in a pretty good fight, uh, main event, back in uh, September, which yep. I really liked. I, th- I thought Sakai was going to win, and then Overeem picked it up. So every every chance that he would get either like a win streak or losing streak started like two and two, it it would always go in the opposite direction. He had two wins, and then he'd lose two wins, uh, lose two losses, and then he would win two wins. Like he never gets that big win streak going in the UFC, except for in the uh, two that from 2014 to 2016, where he had four fight win streak. Yeah, where he thought he was gonna go for the title. The way I see this is a big thing in this fight is Overeem's glass draw. He's just like I said, every fight has gone uh, has never gone to decision. It's always been a finish in his fights. Because it's either he's finishing somebody or somebody is finishing him. Like he's prone to a, a big shot that just gets him knocked out. He just doesn't, uh, he can't stand it anymore with that, how long he's been fighting. I think he, it's he's shown his wear and tear uh, with uh, with his chin. I feel like this is going to be a perfect, uh, I like short fight for Alexander Volkov to where he could get him with a leg kick or, or a punch. And then get him in the right spot early to knock him down because it's going to just take one of those. And I have a funny feeling it's going to be a leg kick. He's just going to whip out and then uh, surprise Overeem in the first couple minutes, and it's going to going to be a, a, a two minute uh, first round knockout by Volkov. Wow, wow! <laughs> uh, I'm going, I'm going Overeem, man. I think we forget how deadly this man yes. is. Um, and he's, I mean. If he goes out on a leg kick, he's a K1 kickbox champion, cage warriors, all that stuff. Like, I feel like if he goes out, he should just retire on a leg. If it's a leg kick, man, that's your bread and butter. I would, I'm going to throw a, a little a wrench into a ring. What if he goes to the ground and submits Volkov? He hasn't had a submission oh. win since 2009. So I would love to see that. But I, I think it's, again, I agree with you. It's going to be a quick fight, 100%. This is a, Turn it on. Don't go to the bathroom. Don't warm up any soda or any uh, snacks. Don't get a coffee or whatever. You know, set your alarm. You're gonna watch it the first round. It's over. You go to bed early. But yep. then again, this could go five rounds. Yep. And it's just be counter striking the whole time. So uh, I'm going Reem. You're going Volkov, man. That's uh, I can't wait for this fight because we're just gonna be texting back and forth. Oh, oh yeah, most definitely. I'll, I'll be watching this uh, tomorrow. Uh, uh, Easily, uh, because I like it's going to get me ready for next week uh, for uh, UFC 258. I'm I'm looking forward to that, but this this is just going to hold me over until then. But uh, before we get ready to go, uh, of course, today's Friday, February 5th. uh, A little bonus uh, uh, fight that I want to just mention before we get going is the debut in Bare Knuckle for uh, Paige Van Zant. I was going to ask you about this. I don't know if we had enough (laughs) time. Uh, against a uh, heart, uh, uh, do you have any comments on that before uh, before I give my opinion on that? Oh man, um, it's I don't know about Paige Van Sant doing this. I was worried about her going into to this. I know she's listen. She's a fighter. She's badass. Yeah. She'll do what she wants. 
But this is a whole different ball game. I, I'm go- I think Britton Hart's going to knock her out. You could say I'm crazy all you want, but I think it's going to go in the completely opposite direction. Okay. I think Hart is uh, getting too pumped up just because she's been there. She's trying to scare Paige Van Zandt. But just look at it. A thing that's been hurting Paige Van Zandt when she was in the UFC was her takedown defense. Yeah. She doesn't have to worry about that now. That's, that's absolutely right. Yeah, you're <laughs> it, It's going to be stand up, no gloves. And I feel like she's going to, she's getting paid. I feel like she, she she's in the main event, uh, the big bare knuckle uh, card. She's going to yeah. be motivated. She wants to come in with a bang, show everybody what she's worth. If that, if that uh, weigh in that they just had yesterday was any notion, uh, I don't know what is yeah. her coming in there, getting in Hart's face, and then Hart going, you don't know what you're doing. Know the rules first before you step into the uh, step into a bare knuckle with me. I'm gonna knock you out, and then Paige just smiles at her. She just yeah. smiles. It was a whole goes, different side of Paige. Yeah, you know we're she, used to her like dancing with Karate Hottie up there. You know what I mean, and hugging Amanda Hebus. Now she's like she's mad, mad dog and hard. It was crazy. He, I, I'm calling all here here Paige now. That's what oh, I'm calling Paige. Her. Okay. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you. Let me f- ask you a follow up question about that. So do you think she let's she wins this fight, right? You're going with she wins this. Do they feed her to Rawlings right after that? And, and because you know, bad blood, UFC versus UFC, who's the biggest dog in the yard, right? Yeah. Uh, Rawlings is a monster in this in bare knuckle now. She she is. Uh, I, I could see them doing that. Okay. Uh, but but I could also see them do one more fight before you get to that if she were to win this because they I would hope so. Because they don't want to shoot their shot with the with Paige Van Zandt early unless she loses right away, and then that that luster just goes away. They want to milk out milk her for all the money they can. Yeah. And their hope is that she wins this, and then they could be like, okay, this person, you got to yeah. get to the gatekeeper before you get to her uh, rounds. Yeah. She, then she does that, wins, thing. and then she gets the rounds, so she has that two fight win win streak. And then goes into it, and it's like boom, you make more money that way. Uh, but like, there's ways where that could just blow up in their face. But yeah. where she could win and then fight Rollins and then make a little bit more money. But it's it's the build up that they want. They want that build up after sign or kind of like what I feel like they're gonna wind up doing with the Chandler in the yeah. UFC because Chandler's making so much money. Uh, they could feed him right to uh, Pore right away because of how he won. But yeah. then, what if you, he loses? Like I don't know with how packed that division is. They want to they want to play that that card smart. They they yeah. want because they're paying him so much. They don't want him to uh, to lose and then be like, oh, we're paying him all that money and he's one in one in his first two fights. Yeah, are you a fan of the tournament, like the Grand Prix tournaments? Oh, I love the Grand Prix tournaments. So I, would you, I love them. That's would how you want uh, UFC to do that? Yes, I, I eventually want them to do. It. That's how uh, Daniel Cormier got uh, got popular in Strikeforce. Yeah, he was an alternate in the in heavyweight tournament because he's always been a light. He was going between heavyweight and light heavyweight. He moved up to heavyweight. He's a small guy, but he's big, yeah. and he won the tournament. And then that's what got him recognized. Built his uh, fame was basically through that, and then he came over to the UFC, started out in heavyweight, knocking guys out, but he was small, so he was like, "Let me move down. I got my 
got my wrestling background. I can use that, but I'll lose a little bit of my power uh, in my striking. He dominated the late heavyweight division minus John Jones, which yeah. was kind of like sketchy because John Jones tested positive both fights yep. uh, w- with steroids. So that kind of marred that. So then Cormier moved back up, got that power again, but then was like three and two or something in his five fights at heavyweight uh, yeah. after winning the title. Yeah. So I think 155 is the right division to do that at that start to start the format right there. Let those right. killers go at it. That would be perfect. Like I, I said this on the on the uh, Cage by Q uh, uh, on uh, Monday. The way I see it is, I want Poirier versus Olivier, Chandler Gage, and then you can do McGregor Diaz three, which is the perfect time to do that trilogy because they're both not in title contention. Uh, Connor lost uh, yeah. in the second round to Poirier. It looked bad doing so. Then D- Diaz hasn't fought in uh, over, I feel like, a year and a half. Yeah. So it'd be a perfect time to do their tr- trilogy and get it out of the way and make the money with that. Yeah, and then and it, see wh- whoever wins, wins. Whoever loses, probably like, okay, retires or, yeah. or whatnot because of uh, losing that matchup. So yeah, should- that's how I feel with that going. And then a little sneakiness is uh, don't – don't uh, don't miss out on uh, Dos Anjos back in lightweight because I think he could be a, a player in the future Yeah, come back down to that division again. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you also have Hooker if he's still going to fight. And you have Ferguson. You match those two up, they'd go pretty well with each other as well. The rumor is it's going to be Ferguson and Hooker fighting. Like I'm glad, and then to get one of them back on the right direction. Yeah, I'm glad Hooker's still fighting because when he put his gloves in the, the middle of the octagon, I thought he was done. But... You know, he's got to sacrifice two months of quarantine to see his family. I get it. Yeah, that's that's scaring me. But uh, before I play the the promo video for uh, Buzz's schedule for the week, I just want to do a shout out to the Cage My IQ fans. Uh, uh, if, if give me your comments, give us a shout out of your fight picks for tomorrow night. And if you beat my picks, I'm going to post them right on the Cage My IQ. Uh, Twitter account. If you beat my picks, I will give you a shout out on Monday's show where we do the two UFC 258 uh, predictions. I'll give you a shout out. So uh, send me a, a DM on the Cage My IQ Twitter with your picks, and then we'll see how you do compared to mine. If you beat mine, I will give you a shout out. But uh, but you saw my picks. Uh, here's the video for uh, the Buzz uh, schedule for the week. Tell them that's what we ready for. War. Tell them that's what we ready for. War. Bringing that to competitors. Till we see the confetti fall, be ready for war. Tell them that's what we ready for. War. Tell them that's what we ready for. War. Bringing that to competitors. Till we see the confetti fall, be ready for war. Tell them I'm ready any opponent. The crown heavy and every minute it's chosen. A path only fit for kings, and you will know what this court means. What did you enlist for? If it isn't getting more rings, then you gon' have to switch your team. Uh, trust me, it gets more mean. I'm a nightmare going up against your dreams. First step is explosive like a bomb hit. Better buy, let it fly, I cannot miss. And you ain't got a chance at the top ten when you getting clamped all night by your locksmith. On the block, throwing lobs to my top bigs. I'm a chef, no look, what's the top dish? Tie game, through the pressure as the clock ticks. Cross over, step back, hit a shot, swish. Tell them that's what we ready for. Tell them that's what we ready for. Bringing that to competitors. Till we see the confetti ball, be ready for. 
This is how champions are made, but it never happens in a day. It's all hard work, but it's why what happens when we play nine out of ten times. I'm a lefty. And that is the schedule for the week. We have over 10 live podcasts on during the week, going from Monday to Sunday, going any through all the sports, plus MMA, plus uh, we just brought, brought back Whiskey Cinema, where they pre- review certain uh, movies and TV uh, uh, stuff. They do different uh, things for that, which they this week they're doing Denzel Washington movies, where they'll talk that. And, Last Sunday, they did a Netflix originals, and they talked about all their favorite movies and shows from Netflix, which was a nice show. So check all of our content out. And then on Cage by Q, don't forget to turn in this Monday, 8 o'clock Eastern time, for once again for our UFC 258 preview show with me, Miles, and Sam. And, um, and before uh, we get ready to go, you want to uh, – do any shout outs or anything? Sure. Um, if you're on social media, which you probably are after listening to us and watching us, um, follow Active Geek Podcast and Galaxy Wars Podcast on all social medias and subscribe on all podcast directories. And once again, uh, don't hesitate to go on uh, Twitter or Facebook or anything to find uh, Active Geek and subscribe to his pages, support his. Uh, his at the geek production and they're a great uh, little company. They put out great content. I listen to it weekly and as should you. Uh, and then uh, don't, don't forget to subscribe to cage by Q's Twitter. And once again, check us out every Monday at eight o'clock Eastern time for uh, your MMA UFC coverage. And then other than that, we are out. Uh, thank you for, uh, joining me for this impromptu uh, fight night uh, uh, prediction show. Thanks for having me, man. I love and talking And everybody MMA. have a great weekend and then enjoy the uh, great coverage uh, between Bare Knuckle tonight and then UFC tomorrow. That's right.